When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Rich Fay, and I'm joined again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello Rich, nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well and by Tyrone Marshall. Hello Rich, how are we? Yeah, not too bad. I think, I mean, Ty, I guess we'll get on to you. Another trip down south for you this weekend. Let's hope that you uh, you make it back this time around. Who knows about more <laughs> travel chaos, I'm sure. Listeners to the pod will know about the... Uh, the harrowing tale you had about coming back from Tottenham, I'm sure we'll get onto that when we look ahead to the Watford game. But, you know, on the last few podcasts, of course, we've been talking about Solskjaer's future quite heavily, haven't we? And Samuel, you were at the press conference today, the virtual one at least, and the opening question that Solskjaer got asked was, well, you're still here, basically, and he is still in a job heading into Watford this weekend. And it came clear last week, obviously your week off, and I'm sure you were glad that there weren't any sort of developments to ruin that. But it became yeah. abundantly clear, didn't it, after after that defeat to Man City, that United weren't going to make a change. And here we are going into Watford and things are very much the same. We were just saying that before we started this recording, that even in the immediate aftermath of the City defeat, it seemed like he was he was still going to be manager, he was still going to be in charge at Watford. He said he expected to be in charge at Watford. I got message something on the Sunday night that led me to think, oh God, my, my week is going to go up in smoke after all. But... Um, it, it then quickly transpired that something wasn't going to be happen, happening imminently. And it's it's just a strange dynamic going into every game now. Every game is meaningful and also meaningless. A, a manager is striving to stay in his job and is going about his job in a very professional way. But even if United beat Watford or beat Real or, or beat Chelsea... I don't really think it changes much in the grand scheme of things. Of course, if if they do actually win the next three games on the spin, all of those games away from home, that that would probably represent a, a turnaround of sorts. But I still think there's there's two sides of all the portion of the fan base that would would not be getting carried away because the mood is still so low and probably since that Tuesday after the Liverpool defeat, I think quite rightly the attention's been more so on on the hierarchy from from our perspective anyway in terms of writing pieces and, and analysing the situation. Of course, you have to analyse Solskjaer as well. He, he is the manager and they've had games since then where his his, his tactics have, have been dubious. They've, they've been successful as well against Tottenham. But again, I don't think anybody was getting carried away with that win and, and Tottenham sacked them coach two days later. So it, it, it's just a really bizarre situation we're in from a professional perspective of covering the club. So you can only imagine how, how Solskjaer um, must feel about it and however much he says about the communication he has um, with, with the hierarchy, with the board members. I don't really think it, it safeguards his position. I don't think he thinks it safeguards his position either. It's just um, an easy uh, turn of phrase for him to to adopt in a press conference. And there, there are a lot of phrases that he used 
in the open section of the press conference today that he he does use um, that he does use in press conferences. Yeah, uh, Ty, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because another thing that Solskjaer mentioned in his press conference today is he spoke about how he's addressed these issues in the past, and he said, you know, we've had two remarkable runs really before him in the past. They had that away run where they you know lost one away from home in thirty games, or whatever, and they had another run where they lost about one in twenty, and you know things have gone gone well you know he can repair things or at least stabilize them again but in itself that maybe tells you that he's not the right man going forward because you know we've already had these questions asked of him he's already stabilized it and they're still back at square one with all the same issues so do you feel that it really has sort of come full circle now Solskjaer or do you feel that you know to play devil's advocate do you feel that he could still put things right at United and be a success or do you feel that his time is is up now I think it's it's very hard to see a scenario where we even reach the end of the season and he's considered a success and, and worth persevering with. I mean, you're right, he has been through maybe his third significant crisis, I would say. And in a weird way, I mean, in terms of the league table, it's actually less significant than the other two. But the issue is that the parameters of what we're calling successes has changed and United were due to challenge for the title this season and they look a million miles off it and they've just been completely outclassed by their, their two or two of the teams they're trying to chase into are their closest rivals. So that's that's sort of more startling. And previously, when he's had these crises, the very next game he's picked up a result and turned the tide in. And the tide has turned quite quickly. This time it hasn't happened. It was building before that Liverpool game. It was building before the last international break, really. And the performances have been really poor. And I think I said at the time that it felt like something that could happen. But it felt like things could disintegrate quickly, given performances. And they did, because performances didn't improve. And... He had that Leicester result, didn't pick up a result. The Liverpool result did, but then things have gone back to, to kind of square one again. And I think it's hard to envisage a scenario at the end of the season where he's 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 still considered to be the man worth persevering with and the man that's going to win titles for United. I mean, I think realistically, the league title has probably gone already, um, given the, the teams they've dropped points to, not just City and Liverpool. And obviously, they've got to play those teams away now, but the, the Leicester teams have dropped points to as well, like Everton at home, losing to Villa. Champions League, you know, I mean, it's, it's not it's not beyond the realms of fantasy that United put a run together in the Champions League. It only takes a, a kind draw and whoever's in charge, they'll be one of the four or five favourites, I would have thought, because there's only maybe six teams that I think realistically that can win it this year. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he puts a run together there. But I don't, I don't see a scenario where we reach the end of the season and there's not a change made. And I think the best case scenario now is that he steadies the ship enough to get to the end of the season. I think it's it's quite ironic that he, he started his career United as a caretaker manager in a way he's ending it as a caretaker manager because I don't think anyone really thinks yeah. he's he's going to be here next season. And the best, you know, as much as the, 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 the social media fan base has turned against him, and maybe inside the ground, just not as vociferously and, and not going to voice it, I think there needs to be an acceptance that maybe the best case scenario is that he gets to the end of the season because United ended up with Solskjaer as a caretaker and then rushing into giving him the job because they had to stack Mourinho because of, partly because of results and they were too far off the top four and also because it had become an environment that clearly wasn't working and it couldn't limp on to the end of the season. In a way, Solskjaer is such a laid-back character that it's kind of an environment now where you feel it can limp on to the end of the season, even though it's not really working for everyone. And if he gets enough results to keep him in the top four, it probably will limp on to the end of the season. And the end of the season is their best chance of attracting a manager who who they see for the long term and has the long-term vision to, to try and win trophies and, and take United back to the top. 
Mm. Always next year, isn't there? That's the that's Always the one solace of hope there. But uh, yeah, the fact we you talk about this season being an effective write-off does tell its own story. Samuel, I guess the question which United fans will be asking is, we've seen that humiliating defeat against Liverpool. We've seen an equally humiliating defeat against Man City. Okay, not the same scoreline, but the manner of it. It feels like it's going to be when rather than if Solskjaer does lose his job. How bad will things have to get for that to actually happen immediately, though? Because... Surely, if they're going to replace him, they've already had two great opportunities to do it. They've already had the international break. Do you feel that just because they've almost missed those opportunities, he will stay in the job? Or what? I mean, what would have to happen before Christmas for for him to lose it? Well, just just going on what I said earlier in terms of the the scrutiny being on the board, that's completely justified because, as you said, they have had two perfect opportunities to sack him, and they've bossed it on both on both occasions post Liverpool. That they had a free midweek, uh, international break. That that's always a popular time to change manager. Norwich did, Aston Villa did. They've both got managers in for uh, their games this weekend as well. When when you look at the way Norwich have done it, although it might not work with Dean Smith, they've they've gone for a manager who has experience of keeping a team in the Premier League and in in the worst case scenario, taking a team from the Championship back up to the Premier League as well. So. I think with with Norwich, it's it's a football club making a football decision. Whereas at United, they're a football club that do not make decisions through a football prism. It's through a financial prism, and it keeps on happening. And just just Woodward's statement the other day, having to reiterate that on pitch success is the priority. I think it was Ty who said it to me first probably years ago now, but there's not another football club on the planet that has to repeatedly stress that the football is the priority. And that that is a massive issue in itself. Now, with Solskjaer, there's an element of educated guesswork purely because it's just bizarre that he is still in the job. But when you look at Mourinho, the, the precedent changed with him there to the fact that with, with Moyes and Van Gaal, it was sacked because they'd failed to qualify for the Champions League. With Mourinho... Uh, Champions League qualification was in jeopardy. It was pretty much midway through the season. They were 11 points off fourth. I think he was was he sacked on the 18th of December. I think it was. It was the day. It was two days after that that last game against Liverpool. So I think it would have to get to something like that. And feasibly, it could get to something like that within the next month. If they are 11 points off fourth, that that's not going to go unnoticed that they sacked Mourinho when United were 11 points off fourth um, under his management. And they could feasibly go out of the Champions League at the group stage again as well. So I think if uh, if it was one of those two things, then there's a compelling case. If it's both of those things and they still don't sack him, then the castle might be stormed again like it was over the, the Super League protests back in May because that at the moment there's no rhyme or reason for keeping him on as manager. If they were to still resist, then I—I I mean, we keep, I hesitate to use the word un, untenable because I'd say his position is untenable, but he's still in that job, and it's not much comfort for United supporters that privately the hierarchy accept that they do need to change manager, and they have started that process of identifying the successor, but they're going at such a glacial pace. And even with the mitigation of um, someone like Conte, who was obviously available for a week pretty much until um, Tottenham sacked Nuno Spirito Santo, I think the coverage of of Conte in the wake of that Liverpool game was was quite lopsided. There are a lot of people saying what a brilliant coach he is, which he is, but they were overlooking some 
some major issues there. It was almost as if the second season at Chelsea didn't happen. He won the FA Cup that season, but it was a very fraught season with Chelsea. He is very demanding. He has a very short shelf life. He's been in his last three jobs for a maximum of two years. Those are justifiable qualms that clearly the United hierarchy um, had about appointing Conte. And, and I get that, but ultimately he, he is a better coach than Solskjaer. And I think if you had Conte in charge of those players at United at the moment, you would still believe that they could actually challenge for the league this season because of his because of his track record, because of his demands and um, and, and his success with, with Inter Milan most recently, obviously Juventus and, and also Chelsea. He, he is a, a winner as a coach. So even when United do have justifiable reservations about a, a possible candidate, I wouldn't even necessarily say Conte was a candidate because it was just a, a non-starter quite clearly. Um, people have got ammunition to, to, to use against them and the, the Liverpool defeat was just such a disaster that it was the principle of it. You know, we. I think it was Lopetegui when he was at Real Madrid. They lost five 0 at Barcelona, and you just knew the next day there was no point in, whatsoever in him going to their training ground because he was going to get sacked. And the next day he was sacked. And United can't just stand by this uh, you know, this this culture of trying to give manager time and longevity. They're they're, they're so out of touch and just out of step and we, we just keep on repeating ourselves on a weekly basis until the decision um, is, is going to be made. Yeah, like you said, it does feel rather inevitable, doesn't it? And just, yeah, the case of when rather than if. Uh, Ty, perhaps the second, maybe biggest line, or most interesting me from that point of view is the, the news of Jesse Lingard. You know, it looks like his career United is going to come to an end after he's given these false promises in the summer. What have you made of the whole situation? I mean, United had the perfect chance to cash in on a squad player for a really good fee. They decided to keep him. They assured him evidently they had a, a key role to play. And, you know, he's started, I think, last, less games than Daniel James United this season, who obviously was older <laughs> the summer. I mean, what 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 have you made of it? Because it just seems absolutely nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. It is very strange. And it, I mean, what more can he do to get a game? It kind of comes back to it. I was you say, it's almost like Solskjaer's turned this into a, a two-tier squad. And it is just, the, the players on the fringe seem to have no chance of getting in. No matter what they do, they can't get in. And it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Lingard, Lingard was doing great work as a super sub. He set Ronaldo up for that winner against Villarreal back in the end of September. And, I mean, he'd been on pitch for five minutes then. It was a frenetic game, frenetic game. He got tuned to the game quickly, showed great awareness to tee Ronaldo up when he was about to get clobbered. That came, I mean, that came on the back of that mistake at Young Boys. But he also scored twice as a sub. He'd scored the winner at West Ham the week before. Looked full of confidence, was making an impact off the bench. Since then, he's played 18 minutes in seven games and not gone off the bench in five of them. I mean, it just does not make any sense. And in all five of those games, he didn't go off the bench. United were chasing the game at some point and quite late on. And they're not using the player who has been a super sub for them. And he's not he's not starting when they're losing to Leicester and losing to Liverpool. And it's clear that things need to change. And you know, Lingard may not be technically at the level of Bruno Fernandes or technically at the level of Sancho or Rashford or Pogba, whoever's starting on the left. But he's a very, you know, he's, I've always thought he's a very intelligent footballer. He picks up space well. He's in fantastic form. And he's got, you know, he, he brings a real energy to the pitch. And it's an easy thing to, to scoff at. But when the team's really struggling, that sort of energy and enthusiasm and, you know, it can lift other players and it can give other players a bit of a bit of the same sort of 
traits it can rub off on other players. And I just find it absolutely bizarre that since, you know, since that contribution against Villarreal, which came at the end of a string of contributions, he's had 18 minutes in two sub appearances. I mean, nothing about it makes sense. And it is just the nature of, of the two-tiered squad, really. The players are on the fringes, just cannot get a chance. And I mean, well, sound sound the Van der Beek clacks and then we'll talk about him later or not. But he's a, he's another who just whatever he does can't get a game. And you know, at least you know, Tosca can probably say Van der Beek hasn't hasn't earned it. Although it's debatable whether he's given him a chance to earn it. But Lingard has earned it and has still not been given it. So you know, you can't blame these players for thinking they need to look elsewhere. It's really odd, like you said, this, especially for the big game. Sure, you'd want someone like Lingard who can help you dictate the tempo of it and, like you said, mm. closes players down. That gives you that energy and all those cliches, really. But, yeah, it's really odd. And I guess it just kind of brings on to the next question, Samuel, because this weekend you know, will be without two of their key players. I mean, OK, maybe you wouldn't call Paul Pogba key at the moment, but himself and Rafael Varane will both miss the game against Watford. Varane's still injured. Pogba injured as well, but suspended anyway. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter on that case. But in terms of the players who could come in, I mean, we've, we've spoken, haven't we, that United don't just need a response in terms of result, but in terms of performance as well. They really need to go out and have a statement win, you, you say, and to actually to actually win a game properly, because we've said it as well on the podcast this season, the amount of games where United have controlled the, the entirety, it's basically just that Leeds game still. Even the Newcastle one, you know, it sort of got away at the end yeah. and it looked more comfortable than it was. Every other win has, has, hasn't been comfortable. Um, so in terms of the players who could come in, do you actually think Solskjaer will be brave enough to to mix things up or, or do you sort of sigh and think it could be more of the same and the usual suspects playing at Vicarage Road? Uh, I don't think there'll be the amount of changes that supporters are probably calling for. You saw that at Tottenham when it was quite surprising that there are only two changes from, from the Liverpool drubbing. It's a bone of contention uh, with a number of players that there are certain players who, irrespective of how they play, always play and that's always going to be a huge problem when you've got a squad as bloated as United's um I think I think James was the only player they actually outright sold in the summer senior player anyway um seven of the last 13 players that they've they've sold before their contracts expired had come into the last year of their contract as well that's obviously going to become another issue in the new year uh with Pogba Lingard uh, Matter and Cavani to a lesser extent. Those, I, I don't think any of those players are going to be at United next season. The way it's going, and for the next manager, I think that's something to relish because that's going to free up room in the squad to improve the team elsewhere. And it's it's easily forgotten that it's still a very good squad to inherit. Um, most coaches in the world would would love to have a squad like the one United have got and would probably get more of a tune out of them as well. So there are a number of options that Solskjaer has got going this weekend, but it's just whether he actually bothers to um, look at those internal solutions, um, potential internal solutions, I should say. Uh, Matic is is not one that springs to mind for most fans, I'd imagine, but I think he's been so underused this season for someone who's literally the only defensive midfielder in that squad. Uh, I think there's there's a way of making him and... And McTominay possibly work with rotation, with one possibly playing in the midweek matches and the one playing at the weekend. But Solskjaer's not bothered with that. He's overplayed McTominay. McTominay's got worse. He's overplayed Fred. Fred has got worse to the point that he was cheered off against City, which I felt sorry for him. Um, I think a lot of fans probably would have felt sorry for him. It's not his fault that 
he's being played as regularly as as he has been under Solskjaer. And that has probably intensified the clamour for, for Van der Beek to come in. Um, Van der Beek was serenaded so loudly during the City game, partly because the game was lost and United fans needed some cheer. And it was it was almost gallows humour, the appreciation they were showing for him. And it, I mean, it was borderline mutinous as well. I think in showing that appreciation for Van der Beek, they were somewhat dissenting against Solskjaer. That was their edifying way of voicing their opposition to the manager because clearly they're never going to boo him they're never going to turn on him in an unedifying manner and I, I I think I do think that is commendable because he's he's been such a huge huge figure in the club's history mainly as a player he has done commendable work as a manager I think when he does leave uh, United that that will be appreciated a little bit more than it is at the moment but van der Beek has, has become a, a stick to beat him with at the moment and Personally, I, I I would start him at Watford. I'd like to see him start. I'd, I'd be interested to see how he fares. But the fact of the matter is he's not started a meaningful Premier League match since, I think, December the 6th last year at West Ham uh, when he was substituted at half-time. And for Solskjaer, in the situation he's in on a personal level, to parachute van der Beek into a midfield against a, a reasonable side, not, not a particularly intimidating side but a team that have certainly got something about them and have had a couple of notable results this season against Aston Villa and Everton who are two teams who uh, beat United and drew with United it, it does seem a little bit of a stretch uh, so it, if, if Van der Beek's name is listed on the team sheet in, in the 11 starters it will probably still be a jolt for most um, if, if, if that does indeed happen but it's you know, I, I just think it's it's come to the point where you might as well try him because Fred and McTominay haven't been working. Uh, Pogba's injured and Pogba's not been playing well anyway for the last couple of months. So if you're not going to use him now, when the hell are you going to use him? And also he he was a man he was a player that was signed on this manager's watch as well. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah, like you said, they're Fred and McTominay almost like Solskjaer themselves. They're they've got a purpose for now, but long term, you know, United aren't going to be winning the league as that axis. And yeah, you've got and I think that's the frustration of United fans' point of view is the fact that Van der Beek is not in that he's it's just not been given the chance. It's hard to know actually where he's at. And like you said, hopefully this weekend we get to see an opportunity for him on the pitch. A tie, an interesting maybe one to maybe for you to end on before we get to the Watford uh, sort of preview now is in terms of the United's approach this weekend you mentioned on a podcast I think last week that after the win against Tottenham you know it was effective but it wasn't what Solskjaer wanted you know that's not the United way to go away from home and set up like that you'd still maybe say that that sort of system is is the most effective in a way but it's not you know like we say it's not the, the trademark United way what would you expect from United this weekend then? Do you expect it to be the 4 2 3 1? Or, I mean, I think that if you use that formation they used in pre season, you could have Matic as a CDM, you could have Van der Beek slightly in front of him. Maybe the 4 3 3 could work for a game like this. But for your, for yourself, what are you expecting from United this weekend? I think it'll be the 4 2 3 1. Um, I thought it was quite instructive when Solskjaer took about four questions after the City game before uh, cutting it short that in one of the answers he said, um, he talked about the win at Tottenham, and he said we we got, he said something like we got a result there, but it wasn't how we want it wasn't how we want to look, and it's not how we want how we want this team to look. And I thought it's quite instructive and also quite honest in a way that you know he he clearly yeah. felt he went to that in an attempt just to get a result and, and stem the tide, and he was kind of nailing his colours to the mast of 
almost not using that again and accepting that the, the 45 minutes against City was the end for it. And I think, you know, I mean, he, he has he has made it very clear he wants this team to attack and he wants this team to play with wingers. And the biggest issue against that back three is there's no wingers. And what have you signed Jaden Sancho for if you're going to change? I don't think it has to be a disastrous formation. If a new manager came in and played that shape, I don't think it. I don't think there'd be mutiny from it. I mean, Chelsea are top of the league, playing an almost exactly the same, not kind of the same shape, but the same balance of basically seven defensively minded players or more defensively minded players and three attackers. They've got better wing backs than United, certainly, and, and that that makes a difference. Um, although Luke, I mean, Shaw and Tellez on the left can be decent. Shaw's well out of form this season. Um, Conte plays a similar balance, really, in terms of the number of players who attack and the number you'd consider to be defensively minded. So I don't think it was necessarily a disastrous formation. But I think from from his comments after City, I thought it was it was pretty honest of him and certainly suggested that that system is finished, certainly against teams like Watford anyway. I mean, I'd be amazed if we see it tomorrow. Maybe against Chelsea, you'd match them up and do it. Um, but tomorrow, I don't, I don't see it happening. The 4-3-3 was worked on in pre-season, touted in pre-season. It's barely been seen in the league, really. I don't really see that happening. I think it'll be back to the 4-2-3-1. I think the issue with the 4-2-3-1 is that United's worst performances this season have, have probably come in it, with aside from the first 45 minutes against City. And I think City are just brilliant at playing against the back three. I think it just it kind of works for them. But the 4-2-3-1 has looked far, far too open. You just think of the way Leicester and Liverpool just carved it apart and played into the spaces around that midfield. So that's an area that that if, if, if he's going back to it and he's going to stick to it, that's the area that needs to be worked on, I think. So I, I think we'll see the, the traditional 4-2-3-1 with the usual players in the usual places, really. Um, and then we'll see if the... The usual we'll result comes, the, yeah. Maybe the usual result, yeah. And then see if the, the things they've worked on have changed because those the, the usual players in the usual places did do fairly pretty well last season. I mean, I know they finished second in exceptional circumstances, but they had some good results. Um, but it, it's been wretched this year, and I think it needs major, major tweaks for it to, to stand a chance of working long term again. Yeah, exactly. It will be interesting to see just how much Solskjaer has been able to implement sort of change over this international break. So, Samuel. Watford away then, it is a difficult one to predict because you can always be devil's advocate, you can be pessimistic, it's going to be difficult for many United fans to maybe get excited for this one, but would you expect it to be business as usual, but in the sense that United might actually get a, a positive result this weekend? Business as last season maybe, rather than business as usual. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I think expect is maybe a stretch, but uh, if, if I was to predict or... Um, yeah, I pro- I'd probably go with a win just because players are refreshed. A lot of players that he's got available to select from weren't on international duty. Uh, point to prove. I'm starting to sound like him in his press conference now. We've <laughs> had a good week. We're focused. We've put a few things right. Uh, but if if I mean if they if they don't win, then it's it's just another it's it's another ma- major problem. It's a major problem for him. It's. A major problem for us in terms of our workload possibly increasing next week. The, the, it doesn't feel like there's as much jeopardy going into this game as the previous games because the turnaround for the Villarreal game is is quite tight. They play Villarreal on on Tuesday. They'll be travelling out on Monday, unless they're going to get thumped five nil by Watford, which I really don't think they are this weekend. Um, he's he's not going to be sacked in the wake of that. I would have I would have thought. May, I you know I stand to be proven wrong. Maybe. Edward would will surprise us, but 
it, it does still seem like quite quite a winnable game, even though Watford have had some notable results this season. Um, you know, Ranieri's gone in there and he's not particularly galvanised them. They had a quite a captivating win at Everton, but a, quite a freakish one as well. They were two one down, I think, in the seventy eighth minute, and they ended up winning it five two because Everton imploded and Everton have got defenders who are not particularly good at good at defending. Um, but unfortunately, United have had that problem as well of late. So. Uh, I, I don't think the the injury doubts, the the absences should have much of, of a bearing on it. As I said earlier, United have got such a big squad and it is a quality squad despite the form this season, despite um, their league position and, and, and the state of the nation. They, they've got some really good players there and they, they should still be winning this game quite comfortably if they if they turn it on. But that's that's been beyond them more often than not this season. Yeah, it's a very big if you've put there at the end of that uh, that sort of statement there. If United turn up, they they could they should get the win, shouldn't they? But like we've seen, who knows what will happen. Ty, yourself, I mean, are you more optimistic about United's performance or the the trains running smoothly this weekend? <laughs> hopefully, um, hopefully the trains run smoothly. As you'll know from last night, Rich, it's not just in the south where trains scuff my plans. Um, so yeah, hopefully. Um, I mean, it's really hard to call, I think, what's going to happen. The, the absence of Varane is, is huge, I think. They've been poor yeah. defensively this season. Um, we don't really know what the situation with, with Shaw is particularly. So, I think there's concerns there. Watford have got a relatively new old manager themselves, I guess. Um, so, it is hard to call. I mean, I think if they don't win, then it just sets the tone for that. basically, I think, that... In, in a way, it almost sets the tone that he won't survive till the end of the season because the fixtures coming after that against Chelsea and Arsenal are, are massive, really. And it's you know it's it's a problem for Solskjaer that Arsenal are finding form under Arteta, that West Ham don't look like they're going away, and that Tottenham are probably going to find form under Conte. So it really puts the pressure on. So I think they just have to win and have to get a result here just to to steady the ship. Otherwise, it'll be straight back to the sort of the toxicity of the last few weeks and and the pressure of those last few weeks, really. So I think they need a result. And, I mean, let's be honest, with the players on the pitch, they really should be winning away at Watford. Um, you know, it, it really yeah. shouldn't even be a conversation. So if those players turn up and perform and some of the issues have been fixed, they they should they should win and they should win comfortably. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I'd be hoping it is a non-event so straightforward like that. But who knows what awaits? I guess that's the excitement, isn't it? We will be back early next week to, uh, yeah, just sort of bookmark that, that game against, uh, but sorry, bookend the games against sort of Watford and just look ahead to Villarreal. So we should be back on Monday for a podcast to dissect what happened at Vicarage Road. So Samuel, Ty, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. And thank you wherever you are in the world once again for listening. As always, please do leave a like and a review if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>